Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. If you're seriously hurt in an accident, you'll want all the money you deserve. That's called justice. But there wouldn't be lawyers if justice was easy. No, justice is not easy. It's fought for and it's won. At Brown and Crouppen, we fight for justice every day. If you want some, call 222-2222. Because at Brown and Crouppen, justice is our business. Ryan Kelly, morning after. On KPNT HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. It's Ryan Kelly morning after Sick Week Wednesday. Thank you, Brian's 9 o'clock hour. My name is Tim McKernan. Doug Vaughn is also in the McLobe Ultra Studios, and uh, there's Darren Atkins. He goes by the Peoria Plowboy. In the Horton Watkins studio is uh, Jackson Burkett. Uh, he is uh, sharing a bed with Lisa Ann mm. for uh, four of the next six evenings. And uh, Ken Strode is out as he uh, works with Brian Gross on this new AVN award. That's where he is now? That's correct. Yeah, he flew, he flew private to Vegas. Oh, okay. He'll be back in 20 minutes. Every uh, Wednesday at 9 o'clock, uh, give or take, whenever we go to a break, and then he patiently waits because this is a moron operation. Jeremy Rutherford joins us, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Make sure you're working with a financial advisor. Anybody will do. But you know what, Mark Hanna? He is what Doug Vaughn calls the great communicator. No, that's Ronald Reagan. And when you get off the phone with Mark, you feel even better about life because he's a wonderful person who customizes plans specific to the person on the other end of the call. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503. Go online at evergreenstl.com. Your questions for Jeremy Rutherford, 314-881-TMA5. Engineer Design Facilities. Text inbox Design Air Heating and Cooling email today comes up in about a half hour. We're giving away tickets to Adam Sandler for our Design Air Heating and Cooling email today. Send yours in the morning after at InsideSTL.com. And joining us right now on the Steve Schmidt Key of North County phone lines presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Jeremy Rutherford. Morning, JR. Oh, hello. Morning, morning. Hello, Rutherford. Morning, guys. Hey. You're so do- how are you after, after a difficult defeat for our club? Well, actually, uh, I'm coming off another weekend in which I went out into the public and instead of people asking about the blues, they were asking me about your show. No, that doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> it happens all the time. It does? Uh, yeah, at a friend's house and, uh, you know, some of these things that I'm about to say may or may not have been said. Uh, is it true that Jackson's going to bunk with Lisa Ann? That is correct, Jeremy. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, beginning yeah. Saturday evening, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, and, and at this resort, there are no rooms with uh, multiple beds. It's one bed, and Jackson one bed. will be mm-hmm. staying with Lisa Ann. And Lisa Ann is a real fan of Jackson. <laughs> well, 
Well, now I when I go out, I can tell people that that is uh, 100% true. Yeah, just some other things. I don't know if you guys... Doug, I am taking questions. It well, sounds like JR has questions for us. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Well, just, yeah, I could ask you guys this. Uh, you know, a couple of the other things that were said that night as we uh, had, had a few uh, beverages. Uh, somebody said, is Doug that funny in person? Is, is he that funny? No, just funny looking. <laughs> we, had, we had one of the sound story guests come, and I interviewed him for an hour about his oh, life story. Hilarious. And when it, when it was over, he says to me, gee, I thought you'd be a lot funnier. In <laughs> it's one of my That's favorite stories said. in oh, yeah. sound stories history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, other one I got, the other one I got Saturday night was, uh, is Iggy being for real? Uh, Doug and I have privately debated that ourselves, so mm. no one knows the answer to that. It's like Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman. Uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows if he's in character or not. I, I think it's real. I think it's all real. Yeah, if I got to bet like a grand yeah. on it, I think it's it's real and occasionally exaggerated. But the brilliance of it is we sit with him every day, three hours a day, Monday through Friday, and truly have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's funny that uh, based on this 10, 15 minutes that I talk to you each week, people think I know the answers to these questions. Oh, well, you're kind of an insider yeah. now. Yeah, I try to be, but it's as difficult to be an insider with you guys uh, as it is to be with the Blues these days. It's oh, tough. nice transition. Yeah, that was a smooth nice segue. Transition. The graphic over the shoulder that? changed, yeah. and it was beautiful. Uh, last night, uh, Jim Dandy uh, at the outset, uh, not only falling behind 2 nothing in the first uh, couple of minutes, but uh, Colton Pareko, a minus four as the Blues fell behind the Sabres, 4 nothing, And then Craig Berube uh, demotes him to the third defensive pairing. That was uh, quite a moment. Uh, your thoughts on that and uh, Berube's rather brief post-game comments regarding Pareko's play so far this season and the decision to move yeah. him. Yeah, Tim, you know, a lot of times when we ask about Colton Pareko over the years, Craig Berube, you know, people around the team, have been pretty protective. They tell you about all the good hockey that he's played, and that's true. He's played a, a ton of good hockey. That can't be overlooked, but I think we all know that, uh, you know, hasn't been there a lot of nights, and last night was one of them. And uh, as soon as I mentioned to Craig Bruby in the post game last night, I don't even think I got my sentence out. I just said, you know, Preco a, a dash four, a minus four, and the plus minus. And as soon as I got that out, he said, didn't have a good game. And uh, you like the Bruby impression there? Yeah, that wasn't was bad. really good. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. Trying to see if you guys were awake. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, we're awake. listening. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he said uh, didn't have a good game and, the, and then uh, talked about uh, just being tentative, and I think that's been the case. You know, a lot of times you'll hear after the fact that, uh, you know, he's playing through something, and I think we all know that he's had the back injury here in, in the past uh, couple years, and I believe that's, you know, part of the case. I believe he has dealt with that, but I think – you know, for the most part, uh, there has been a lot of tentative play, and we saw it. And so for Craig Bruby and the Blues last night to demote Colton Preco to the third pair, season low 16 minutes, four minutes less than his previous season low, you know, speak vo- speaks volumes about what they thought about the game last night with him. So it's a tough deal. You look at the contract, it's another seven years after this year. So um, the, the bottom line is that this is a player who has to get better because that's not a movable contract. At this point, you almost hope he's banged up and that this is just not the, the best player he can be. Like You do, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, go ahead, Doug. Well, I, I've done. That was a brilliant thought I, that I had. I just thought you'd say, oh, that's a nice observation, Doug. Yeah, so, yeah, you are as funny in person. But oh. they, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that you're right in 99% of the cases, but I think with, with the potential of it being the back, 
you know, and I don't have any concrete evidence sitting here in front of me, but, uh, you know, just what you're told. But I think that uh, that's a tough one because even if they come out or he comes out and says, yeah, he's been playing through it, you know, is it going to get better? And how does it get better? And when you look at the length of the, that contract, seven years, you know, how can we expect a guy in his mid to even late 30s to be performing with a bad back? So I, I think if, you know, you're playing through a knee injury and you can get that corrected, that's one thing. But you're playing through this back. Uh, that could be really tough. Uh, we're getting uh, your questions in the Engineer Design Facilities text inbox. Uh, Eric in the Central West End says, it's a good thing they let Petro walk and kept Pareko. That's from Eric in the Central West End. That's Although they're, 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 they're not really necessarily <laughs> related, right? Yeah, no, and I was being facetious there. Uh, I know that a lot of your uh, reader listeners kind of turn things on their head there. So good thing that mm-hmm. that uh, Petrangelo is gone. Um, they're somewhat related in the fact that when the Blues decided to let uh, Petrangelo go, they felt that Colton Preco could be that guy. I remember I took my kid to school. I pulled in the parking lot. I had a you know to drop him off, and then an interview with uh, Doug Armstrong as I sat there in the parking lot, and I said, "Okay, Petro's gone. You know, what do you think? What's next?" And and he said, "Well, Colton Preco is going to be the alpha male on defense." And so even though they had Justin Falk, I think you are semi okay with letting Petrangelo go because you think Preco is going to grow into that, and he hasn't done it. So. So, yeah, I, you know, I look back at the work Doug Armstrong's done, and he's done a phenomenal job, but we did a, a piece a couple weeks ago at The Athletic, and a lot of the Blues issues as we sit here currently today, you know, bringing in Scandella, bringing in uh, Letty, bringing in some of these guys have been a result of trying to find a guy to play with Colton Preco, and it hasn't happened. So I think uh, letting Petrangelo go has been one of those big blemishes. I, I'd be curious on this because we can only talk about should the Blues and will the Blues trade Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko and Barbashev so many times, it, it, you know, because I do it, it almost daily on 101 ESPN, and that really is the topic, and yet it's unlikely that any of those things take place in the next couple of weeks. I would imagine it's more likely to take place after the All-Star break. Would you agree with that, by the way, that this isn't something that's going to happen before then yeah probably so yeah okay. i saw o'reilly walking out of the locker room last night still wearing that boot he's not on the ice that i know of so i can't imagine a team's beating the blues door down to get that deal done uh, but i do think it would happen and, and same with tarasenko he's probably gonna need to play some games before that market kind of ramps up what but percentage would you put on barbershop going yeah no it's it's tough it's uh i think that if the blues can't afford him then he'll get moved uh but i think if he wants to stay here and would accept a deal that's kind of in the neighborhood of what they're thinking i know jamie rivers threw out the numbers and he's just speculating here not holding them to these numbers but three years times three million nine million total uh like the math there he uh, i think that that could be a fit for the blues if barbashev were interested in that but after that 60-point season last season, maybe he can get more elsewhere. But the, re- the reason I, I wanted to, to kind of go with some background here, talking about Petrangelo and Pareko, and is that is that moment, and I suppose it's not fair to say that it was a moment, but is that negotiation the starting point for the Blues kind of getting boxed in? That, yeah, you can trade O'Reilly, you can trade Tarasenko if you want to trade uh, Barbashev, you can do those things, but it still isn't necessarily going to solve some of these issues with some of these dollars that I'm sure if Doug Armstrong had NFL-like abilities to just cut somebody and get rid of a contract, he would do with some of these deals. Going back to the Petrangelo situation and what took place leading up to him going to the Golden Knights and Tory Krug coming in, 
is it fair to say that Armstrong tried to get something accomplished in it well before that summer and Petrangelo or that offseason and Petrangelo didn't have interest? Is that is that accurate? And then that COVID played a role with revenues being down and the organization when it handling things carefully and not turning into what happened to the Kings and the Blackhawks. Is there anything that I'm off on with the start of the Petrangelo situation? No, no. Yeah. You're, you're, you're close to, to everything. Um, I think that it's a lot to condense into a minute or so here, but I think that with the Petrangelo situation, he wanted to return. I think the blues wanted to have him back there were some broad numbers exchanged. I think the Blues felt that it was. And when were much. those exchanged? When were those? I'm sorry, just to specify. Well, after the Stanley Cup, I think that there was. After 19. Talk about, yeah, after okay. 19, there was some talk about, hey, let's, uh, you know, at some point we'll talk about this. And, and then it didn't get done. And then so now things go drag on for. And that's why I think the biggest problem with this whole Petrangelo situation is, is that it was allowed to drag on. I think if you get it done, it would have got done, but it didn't. Hey, that happens in pro sports, but in this case, it costs you a player staying. Uh, but I think it got to this point. Look, I was talking to Petrangelo every other day for three weeks leading up to the whole meltdown of him not coming back and him signing in Vegas. And he was saying at the time that they wanted him to agree to the AAV without agreeing to some of the other parameters of the contract. I think from the Blues perspective, they were approaching it like that because, hey, if we can get the number here, we'll work on the other stuff next. Don't worry about that stuff. We'll work on the no movement. We'll work on that, those things. But Petranslo wanted to say, no, I'm not going to agree to this AAV till you tell me what else is included in the contract. And so they got to a point where I just think it was a little bit too heated. The no movement wasn't in play for Alex Petrangelo until the 11th hour, I believe. And and so uh, if they came to him and, and said, you know, maybe we'll possibly think about giving you the no movement, then I think it was too late. Uh, I think that uh, he was already on getting ready to jump on a plane the next day to go to Vegas. And I think the Blues at that point had signed uh, Tory Krug. So, you know, everything just kind of melted down. And I think it's the result of not trying to come to a resolution sooner. Yeah, it hurt to lose him, especially in light of the fact that most athletes in St. Louis play for the fans and not the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's probably not the case. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I was led to believe yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've i never seen a guy uh, go to his financial meeting, you know, when he's 60 years old and talk about the fans. But um... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm off. <laughs> All right. So they, they still have like more than a third of the season to play. What kind of chance would you give them at this point to finding something, putting it together and, and still getting in the playoffs? I think it's zero at this point. Oh, um, wow. This year, yeah, no, I mean, I just think that you look at the situation, now you're missing Buchnevich, right? Yep. And I, I think the, uh, you know, Bruce Nevich, I think the, uh, you know, the trade talks are going to ramp up with O'Reilly. You know, he said, I think Darren Drager mentioned that he's officially on the market. You know, the, Darren Drager would hear that type of stuff from other clubs who are uh, hearing O'Reilly's name. Uh, I think that the same is going to be said with uh, Tarasenko here pretty soon. And, you know, at that point, you're talking about a roster full of minor leaguers. And if they play their tails off and push, 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 which usually those types of players do, you know, maybe you sneak in. But I just don't see with this roster, what we've seen the past couple of games going down 3 nothing, going down 4 nothing. Yeah, you can have some fight, but too many mistakes happening. 
Yeah. Uh, JR with us here, brought to you by Mark Hanna Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Let me go to some of the uh, questions from the texters. Two parters, a time to sell off the big boys in part two. If you had someone trying to sell your articles for The Athletic, would you publicly bash them for trying, or would you show that you uh, show them your appreciation? That's from the oh. old Appleton step. <laughs> Don't answer it, JR. It's a trap. <laughs> oh, I would uh, I would hope they would you'd be trying to sell The Athletic from the heart and help me out. If, uh, yeah, so I would like that uh, help from people. So Yeah, my people had actually worked for your... Mm. Oh, paper, right? could sell anybody. It no. came out of a chair like <laughs> <He did>. resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Iggy? Hey, buddy. I've been here the whole time. I've just, just been listening and learning. <laughs> yeah, no, not much learning going on. Great. And thank you for correcting yourself with Bruce Nevich. Yeah, I, uh, I got so. this question here from uh, Mr. Licks. Can we get an update on what blues and or hockey research Iggy is doing on his phone? I assume he's about to ask JR a question. That's from Mr. Licks. <laughs> Find anything? No, I was finding nuggets. I was looking at email. I was looking at Instagram. And well, we're talking to the hockey expert. And I'm now. listening. Payroll email. I'm listening. I haven't seen a game the 31st of God knows when. So the 31st of God knows when. <laughs> Iggy, read one of those emails. I want to hear an email that Iggy gets. Well, I mean, they're work emails or things, oh, okay. that, things I'm deleting. You got a lot of work emails, bro? Private account. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm texting Brian uh, to tell him I'm not coming to pick a fish today. So, <laughs> Doug, that's also happening. It's a busy day. Busy, busy day. How much can one man do? <laughs> 24 hours. I'm a busy man during this yeah. Ken, stop turning off the graphic. What does that mean? Oh, when you turn your mic off, it changes on, um, or it turned from a four-screen shoot to a, a three-screener. Oh, well, oh is that right? Really yeah. See. I had no idea. I didn't see that. I have to clear my throat every now and then, but I don't see it. Sorry, JR. We just Sometimes we tend to show business. <laughs> well, look, I turn my mic off. Sorry. Hey, not at all. There's there's no difference between me sitting here with you guys on the app all day or, or on the phone listening to you. Same yeah, thing, right? Yeah, it's exact. It's exact. It's the exact same thing. Uh, any any you notice anything? Because last week uh, or not last week on Saturday night, clearly there was some frustration with the way they played. Barbashev being one of the more outspoken players uh, against the Blackhawks, losing that game, making the observation that they've had some good games, and they come out and they play some of the lower tier teams and struggle the Canadians would be an example that Blackhawks game an example anything stand out in the postgame comments last night beyond the Pareko situation because that was rough falling 4-0 but to their credit they were in a spot and my god Tarasenko had a variety of opportunities to tie that game and it could have turned into a hell of a win of course it didn't so I'm curious what the reaction was as they now head out and that homestand goes three and four yeah, not too much. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. Three and four homestand. Braden Shen said, just can't happen. Like, he doesn't know why, but you got to win those games. Can't happen. Um, no, there was a lot of talk last night. Uh, I don't know how this is going to go over on this show, but mm. the slot was wide open last night. And that's mm. what a lot of people were, were talking about. But they uh, they said that uh, they just have to clean this thing up, but you're talking 50-plus games into the season cleaning these things up. That's why I think, Tim, you look at that last night, and it's Tarasenko scores and ties the game or puts the Blues ahead, you know, is that more false hope? Is that a situation where this team pulls out a win that it shouldn't have? Hey, it's great. Everybody's excited. 
Uh, but look at those mistakes leading up to it. So, uh, you know, that's why I go back to what I said a few minutes ago about the, the playoff chances. Is I just don't think this is the type of team that, that has a run in it like that. Seems like Pareko catches most of the heat, but there's a whole lot of guys not playing like they're supposed to, aren't there? It's not, it's, it's not just him. It's a great point. Actually, I just got that comment on the bottom of my story today, and I responded to it, so thanks for sending in the comment, Doug. But sure. I think it's a situation with uh, Pareko where, yes, he is a bit of a whipping boy. And in the media, are we somewhat guilty of that? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, but I think it's a situation. You look last night, a couple things. Pareko's minus four, and I realize that's an archaic stat, but it's a minus four, and nobody else on the team was a minus two. And I mentioned earlier Pareko played about four minutes less than the other D guys. And the other thing is, a lot of times when you go into those post-game press conferences, you know, if, if Craig Bruby doesn't say anything, maybe it doesn't become a story. But when you ask him, he's going to give you an honest answer. And we asked about Preco, and he said didn't have a good game, and he hasn't had the season that he or we expect. And, and that's a story because a lot of times, as I mentioned, they've been protective of him. So I think he does take a, a lot of the criticism, Doug, but I think that uh, last night was one of those nights where it was probably A, deserved, and B, it was brought up by the coach. There yeah. it is. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford brought to you by Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, every Wednesday here on the Ryan Kelly Morning After. And I guess, Jr. you'll be in studio uh, down the hall at 101 ESPN at 11 o'clock. Am I correct? Or is that a one-day-only oh, yeah. affair? Yeah, that was a one-off. Yeah, so they uh, missed Alexa yesterday. I don't know who they have in today. Maybe Alexa again. So... Uh, we'll keep my truck parked in the garage here in God's country in Arnold today, uh, nice. not Ladue Jackson. And, no, uh, certainly not. Stay away from the weather. God bless. Well, all right. It was good talking to yeah, you. Yes, the, great Jeremy, the great Jeremy Rutherford, mm-hmm. Doug. The great Jeremy great Rutherford. Thank asking you. us questions, and we're asking right. him questions. Well, we are bigger than the events that we cover. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, you guys are. Now yeah. I can go back and report to my people here in God's country uh, what I know, the inside information about you guys. That would okay. be a good athletic article behind TMA. Boy, that'd get a lot of clicks. <laughs> It'd be pretty <laughs> boring. <laughs> we, won't see, we won't see JR next week, will we? We're off Wednesday and Thursday. Is he coming in today? JR, are you be in studio today or no? no I just covered no. that. He said Thanks he will not. Oh, Someone's got to listen every now and I then. Was, I was tweeting a hot take. The Cardinal came out with their giveaway. JR, dates oh. and, you were tweeting about no, the Cardinal giveaway. Yeah, sorry. JR, I'll text you about next week. Do that off the All air. Right, yeah. That sounds good, boys. Yeah, Talk to you later. On the okay, Rusty. <laughs> there he is, Jeremy Rutherford, brought to you by Mark Hanna. Twice we sent the message to him that we're not listening. We're doing other things. I we're so feel emails. bad for We're JR. worried about the Cardinal giveaways. He's one of the best guests we have. So what are you doing? You're complaining about the Cardinal giveaways on Twitter? <laughs> I couldn't stop. Like, what, right, what when I saw, right when I saw the Cardinal tweet, I had to... I had a bunch of stuff. What a great out. cherry on top of the off season! This is what they truly care about, and it's a video of what? There's a like... bunch of slap asses wearing a bunch of slap cheap giveaway gear, and that's what they truly care about. People it's not, like that stuff. It's they not the product on the field; it's secondary item that can pack the crowd. I give the Cardinals <laughs> credit; they usually have some good giveaways, real good yeah, ones. They do because they have a ton of money left over every year. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious they when get you get the Steven Matzes of the world and bring up. A triple A guy got Vanderhagen and you know, <laughs> Osmosis. Packy Nantucket. Do they have a. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Patty Nantucket on the mound as your number two guy. They give away have money for a cheap, extra large. Do they have a uh, pepper grinder giveaway? Oh, that would be a nice oh one. I, I'm sure they have a pepper grinder giveaway. When they give away bobbleheads, people show up two and three hours before the game and yeah. line up clear around the block to get them. And they have to because they run out of them for some reason. 
Yeah, they only give well, out the like people selling 30, them 000? for three hundred bucks on eBay. Everyone who attends the game should get yeah. one. Out first I never really understood that because I can imagine how many people are heartbroken when they get there and they, yeah, sorry. I wish out. it was a twelve and under thing. That's what I wish it was. But don't you it, think people there incentive? earlier? Then they spend more money on concessions and merchandise, and so right. you have some very added nice. revenue. Yeah, that's the uh, that. that's the logic. Uh, you can give your uh, thoughts by calling into the Steve Schmidt Kia North County phone line six three six nine zero zero four TMA. Email in for our design, air, heating, and cooling email today, which comes your way in about eleven minutes. And don't forget, Adam Sand. Tickets, the prize for today's design, air, heating, and cooling email today. He'll be playing Enterprise Center on February 10th. Uh, Doug Scott Rowland goes into the yeah. Hall of Fame. He is the only one of 28 on the ballot to get in. 76.3% of the vote. Here is what he had to say uh, when he found out he was going to the Hall of Fame. Hit the lever, Plowsy. Thank you very much. First of all, I think it goes without saying that uh, thank you to all the baseball writers in, in the association and across the country, whether with a vote or without a vote, I really appreciate everything. I, I enjoyed my career. I enjoyed my time and, and everybody's professionalism. So that being said, I appreciate everything. I'd be happy to hopefully answer any questions if they're not too hard. Love the that was it. Guy. Okay. Well, I hear noise out there. Yeah, there's people walking by. Hello, the offices friends. are closed. So. Oh, I thought shut all the way. That's why. I saw that uh, Roland set the record for having the lowest amount of support at when he was first on the ballot. He only got ten percent of, of the votes, and now he get, gets in with seventy-six percent. So I want I'm, this is specifically for you, Doug. Scott Roland. I'm happy he's a Hall of Famer. Watching him play in St. Louis, and of course he was in Philadelphia beforehand before being traded for Bud Smith in 2002. Also, do you remember who else was in that trade? Uh, can I have initials, please? P, P, and M, T. P, D, D. P, P, and N, T? Yeah. Uh, Paul Perez? Pete Parisi? Pete they Prinzi. traded Pete Parisi? Pete Prinzi. Pete, the, the strength guy? Yeah, they gave him. Uh, Placido Polanco and Mike uh, Timlin. Oh, Oh yeah. Um, he just great career. Didn't necessarily think Hall of Famer. Uh, and I know anytime I talk about Edmonds, people are like, oh, you say this because you're friends with him. I haven't seen or texted or talked with Edmonds, and I'm I don't know how a month. It's, so it's got. I'm just telling you what I think. And when Edmonds owned part of Inside STL, I was on the air saying I don't think he deserved the two-year contract extension he got from the Cardinals. So I still call it how I see it, even if I. So it's got. I just think if Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, Jim Edmonds is a Hall of Famer. And yeah. Jim Edmonds is on the ballot for one year. Now, that is not apples to apples because of the fact that uh, Edmonds was on a different year than Rowland debuted in 2018. And it was a, a much more condensed ballot with talent. Uh, you had some guys who were going to have their last years on the ballot. You also have eligibility. Griffey was on the same year in his first year. Yeah. And you can only put... 10, you can only vote for 10 people. I think in a normal year, like this year, for example, Edmonds, without question, gets more than 5% to stay oh, yeah. on. Yeah. So I think the MV3, I mean, Albert Pujols of the MV3, that goes without saying. But I just, I don't really know how Roland's in and Edmonds is, is not. And I think there is a good chance that in the end, Edmonds winds up in the Hall of Fame. I hope so, because he was the best defensive center fielder I ever saw. I didn't get to see Ken Griffey play every day, or little young. My dad says Willie the same Mays. thing about uh, Edmonds in center field. <clears throat> yeah, I never saw him. I never don't ever remember seeing him make a bad play. And his highlight reel is just eye popping. Oh my God, I've never seen anybody make catches like that. 
it's just a convoluted Hall of Fame, the way people are put in there. Um, and I've said it for a long time. If you look at, to just go compare, and I won't say Ken Borey because I'm very biased. I love Ken Borey. He's my favorite player of all time. But I'll go back a little further. Go look at Ron Santos' numbers. Ron Santos' numbers are pretty much exactly what Scott Rowland has. A couple gold gloves less, uh, but the same RBIs. I think a few more home runs, same average. Ron Santos never got in. He had to be put in by the Veterans Committee. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you can look at two guys and say comparable stats and Rowland gets in as his sixth year of eligibility, and Santo never got in. Because you have a lot of guys who are voting that have never played the game and hold grudges. I mean, it's 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 not exact stats get you in. It's the guys and how you treated them in some situations. And I'm glad Scott Rowland got in. It's People were talking about watering down the Hall of Fame. I, it, it, he He's ninth all-time in war. And I, war is a stat that I've slowly come across as saying it's legit. I mean, yeah. 150 years of 120 years of baseball, and you're the ninth best third baseman in terms of war, you deserve it all day. Well, the, in terms of getting Hall of Fame numbers, third, just the position itself at third base is a factor because you have to be terrific defensively oh, yeah. and you have to put up the numbers that compare against outfielders and first basemen and, and those guys to get in the Hall of Fame. That's why for years there were so few third basemen. You look at their numbers compared to the other guys getting in, you go, well, wait a minute, he doesn't have the offensive numbers. Well, the other guys are catching fly balls and your third baseman is diving all over the place and making... Off balance throws on bunts and yeah, you got to have an an infielder's ability to play the position. I would tell you this with regards to Roland and his time in St. Louis: Uh, if he does not get hurt in the playoff series against the Diamondbacks, the Cardinals swept the defending world champion Diamondbacks in 2002. I think he got hurt in game one or two. Was it Aesop Choi that he ran? That was in St. Louis, and that was in a regular season game. This was Alex Cintron ran into him. It was brutal because I think yeah. the Cardinals, it was a tough game and you're thrilled and I was out there for that game that they won, but it was super bittersweet because he knew Roland was messed up. And I think yeah. that really kind of began some of the injury issues. The Hesop Choi thing was another one. Oh yeah. His um, numbers would be much better. Well, there's that, that but also I would tell you, I think the 2002 Cardinals, you can't say they win the World Series because you can never operate, but their probability of winning the World Series increases so substantially uh, I can't imagine because they put Miguel Cairo at third. They couldn't put. They couldn't play Roland. So you lost uh, at the very least a hell of a ball player and now a Hall of Famer. And uh, and that was a team that was on an absolute mission. That was your Derek Kyle had passed away. Jack Buck yeah. had pa- passed away. That team was on a mission. Andy Bennis had come out of retirement and wound up being the only guy who wanted to start in that NLCS for the Cardinals. So uh, he did play a role, of course, in the MV3. He was one of the members of the MV3 for a team that many hold as one of the best ever in Cardinal history, certainly in the modern era, and then won the World Series with the Cardinals in 2006. But that was a tense time because LaRusa benched him uh, in the Mets series, and then he came out and had Eckstein not had as good of a series, I think he probably would have been the MVP of the World Series. Yeah. In 2006 against the Tigers, I uh, cast my ballot for the Tigers pitchers fielding bunts. Right, they couldn't handle it. Here is uh, Roland being asked by Bob Costas as to what cap he will wear oh. in Cooperstown. Lever Plowsy. That, that truly, that was still, it's just, it's an unbelievable. Wrong clip. Oh, come there's, on, anybody Plowsy, it's a wrong yeah. clip. I mean, I had two. We're looking for the clip with the cap. There's, I just put okay. a third one okay. in there. Okay. Come okay. on, Jackson. Well, I open these no, it's on me. An hour. No, you're good. This oh. is kind of a tough one, but you had a long stretch with the Phillies and then with the Cardinals. Have you thought about, as a new Hall of Famer, what cap you want on your plaque? 
you know, <laughs> yes, that's a hard one. Um, I think the best answer to that is I, I am a, in a very good spot of not having any idea what that situation looks like. I don't know if it's recommended. So I'm so uneducated on it that I'm going to take some advice of, of I believe that Paul maybe recommends something, but there are so many aspects of, of every organization, and especially the people in those organizations. That's the real thing. The people in the organizations are where you find your relationships and, and what you build on. And there's so many aspects, whether it's Philadelphia. I mean, I, I cut my teeth in Philadelphia. I learned how to play the game there. You <laughs> nice editing. Defensively, John Bukovic and, a, and a, bunch of, a bunch of things that I really learned the game there and then I got an opportunity to go to St. Louis and and play with a group that's just a whole nother level and and move to and win world a World Series and play in a World Series and then you know moving moving to Toronto just a whole different game in the American League you know that was fantastic for for me and my family and, and the the relationships and people that I'm still friends with there and then obviously finishing up with the Reds I got to come home, so to speak, and my kids got to go to school. We commute back and forth, and the people in the Reds clubhouse and my teammates all along the way are just they're just fantastic human beings and fantastic people. So, you know, for me, right this second, with all this going on, to think about something that specific, I, I, I can't, and I'm so appreciative of every organization and all the teammates and, and the fan base, and, you know, it's just four incredible, incredible places that I'm very, very appreciative of. He spent uh, the largest number of years with the Reds. His best years were No, he's with... only four years with the Reds. Or, excuse me, with the Phillies, with the Phillies. Yeah, uh, seven I'm, I'm, the Phillies. I have no idea why I said that, because I'm literally looking at PHI on Baseball Reference. Largest number of years with the Phillies. His best years with the Cardinals was a brief stay in Toronto, and then had uh, four seasons with the Reds to wrap up his career 2009 through 2012. He was an All-Star in 2010, in 2011, um, but he was fourth in the MVP voting uh, in 2004. Won a Gold Glove as well as, of course, being an All Star. He's an All Star in St. Louis 2003 through 2006. So, Doug, yeah. you got to put a hundred dollars down. What cap is he wearing in Cooperstown? Go. Uh, I'll say Cardinal since he won a World Series. I'll say that'll be the, the determining factor. <laughs> it's it's a shame that they make the guys pick. Yeah, it is a tough Because some of the guys have had fantastic careers with two different franchises, and, and why do you want to alienate one by t- picking ahead of the other? See, I thought they got rid of that. Who was the player that played, like, his majority of his career with one team and played two years for another team? The Wade Boggs and the Rays, I think, is what you're And they want to give him, like, that was part so of much deal, money I to wear his hat. But I, don't, I think they got rid of the ability to, like, sell your oh, that'd be awesome. fame uh, <laughs> cap. Yeah, I saw Wade Boggs' number is retired in Tampa, and I thought, did he play there? I guess he did. Yeah, yeah. he got his 3,000th hit as mm-hmm. a home run, and yeah. the, but it was a beautiful ballpark, and I think that's why he... It's not that great a ballpark. <laughs> oh, it was ugly then. <laughs> but you can go in with a blank cap, right? Yeah. Didn't Roy Halladay? I don't know. Yeah, Roy and Halladay? I think, and I think the Hall of Fame... Oh, that's a tough one. He had two great. ...has something to do with it. I think they sit down with the player, and they make recommendations on, we think this is... You can do what you want, but I thought the Hall of Fame kind of took it over... After the Wade Boggs situation, like what would you do if you're Frank Robinson and you were MVP with the Reds and with Baltimore? Well, let's get him on. Long careers with both. What did he do? I, I don't know. It just seems unfair that you have to pick that that, that that's a thing when it's going to be a slap in the face to somebody. Yeah, I don't know why you have to put a hat on anyway. I mean, it's a, it's a plaque. Yeah. 
Frank Robinson wears an Orioles cap. Does he? Probably because they won more. I don't know. The Phillies. I don't know. I like if I have to bet, Doug. I wonder. I mean, he did ask for a trade from St. Louis. There was tension with him and Larusa. I don't. I really don't know. It, it's it's one that I yeah. would not want to bet. I remember talking to him because I can remember. You know, this might surprise you. He's taller than me. Scott Rollins taller than me. Cut it out. He is. No, he was very few athletes. He is. No, he, he, is. he is. He is. Very few lifts. athletes taller than you. <laughs> I agree with you. At least outside of horse racing. Oh, mother, Giannis. drop out of it. Doug's doing that thing <laughs> okay. again. All right. Sorry. Uh, and we were at, at Jupiter, and I. Uh, I recall asking him because he loved to. Do you remember how he he would prefer to do? I think he prefer, he preferred to either do print over TV or TV over print. I can't remember. Maybe it was TV over print because he had a yeah. real tough time with a couple of riders. One in particular, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He was a bigger guy. He passed away. Bill Conlon. I think that's who it is. That's who. I mean, he hated the media yeah. in Philadelphia. Hated it was it. very leery when he got here. Yes, exactly. Anything. And that is why Scott and I were talking. And this is, it probably wasn't 2002 because we wouldn't have been in Jupiter. He's still with the Phillies in 2002 spring training. But it was probably 03, maybe it was 04. And we would always, you know, just kind of, it was a ball-busting relationship. And it was just me and him. It wasn't on camera or anything like that. Right by where the picnic table actually was. And I said, so what's what's the what's the deal with you and the media? And he got—I mean, he was really passionate. He wasn't like angry about it, but he was explaining because you have no idea what it's like to do an interview with somebody, and then they totally don't represent what you told them. They edit it out, and then the public thinks one way of you, and it's not true, and you have no defense. Yeah. Because if you defend yourself, then they go after you even more. Now mm-hmm. this is Philadelphia. Certainly a different set of circumstances than almost any market in the country. Certainly St. Louis. But that played a role in in where he was coming from. And I bring that up because I don't know if that would color whether or not he would go in as a Philly. To me, it would seem it would either be Phillies or Cardinals. Um, But those Reds teams, those were some good Reds teams. One of them, 2010, I think, was a... I can't remember. I don't know. The 2010 team is the one that they fought with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cueto and Jason LaRue. Yadier Molina, Brandon Phillips. I don't know. I, don't, I think Philly's a good... Uh, when you hear the clip, he kind of... I mean, he talks about, you know... Learning starting out, the, learning how to play the game in Philly. That quote there, it, it, it could be a nothing. I but to me, if I took that clip, it's I'm leaning towards he may do Philly. But yeah, if you win a World Series with an organization, I think you have to wear their cap. The thing is, and I'll I'll go into this more probably on balloon parties. We're running out of time. But I remember when I was doing a show with Edmonds, and I brought up how I loved that Larusa benched Roland in the 2006 NLCS. Not because it was anything personal, it's just he was struggling so badly. Spezio came in, had a huge hit in Game 2, which the Cardinals were going to be down 2 nothing, And and uh, he goes, oh, you liked that, did you? And I go, loved it. He goes, well, just so you know, LaRusa nearly lost the clubhouse when he did that. All hell broke loose inside of our locker room when he benched Roland. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, okay. Well, see, this is one of the things where you can, yeah. you can hot take it all day long and you have no idea what's really going on. And Jim only talked about it because it was seven or eight years after the fact. 
But that really pissed a lot of guys off that you have a guy who's an all-star, but an MVP top five guy, and he's been benched because he's in the midst of a slump in the postseason. I still think it was the right move, but I was looking at it strictly through the lens of baseball. Point being, Roland didn't like that. And then I think there were some other issues that went along with him wanting to be traded. And then the Cardinals got Troy Gloss, which was huge for our show because it led to a spectacular interview at spring sure. training. Yeah. In their prime, who would you rather have playing third for you, Scott Rowland or Nolan Arenado? Arenado. I don't know if it's—I I guess it's close. It's, it's tough because—but, yeah. I mean, it, but it is a factor in the discussion. Rowland— that's the thing. He's still going to the Hall of Fame. Imagine, as you said, if he hadn't gotten hurt so many different times, yeah. too. But I would say Arnado, because when I think of Roland, I think of a relatively speaking compromised player. The guy he was just a couple years after his start in St. Louis in 2002, it was a different guy because he would keep dealing with injuries. Arnado right now is not in that spot. You think he'll go in as a Rocky or a Cardinal? Cardinal. Insta-ship. Really? Oh, Arenado? He's I guess, only, I guess he's only I'm been more here, su- what, two years? Oh God. I guess I'm more surprised. He hates that organization. Yeah. I, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's going to win. I mean, he's already been in the postseason. He's probably going to keep it, especially now with so many teams getting in the postseason. You know, he's... What about, is that the same with Goldsmith in Arizona? Goldschmidt, excuse me. Oh, I don't think Goldschmidt's a He's probably not a at the favor. moment. But, he, but he's live. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's li- I, I never thought... And, it's not, and again, it's not, it's not down on Scott Rowland. It's just... I didn't view him as a Hall of Famer. I, I viewed him as a guy that if he stayed healthy, he was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like Adam Wainwright, for example. I can't imagine him being a Hall of Famer as a ball player. I could if he goes into broadcasting and becomes, you know, one of the main broadcasting guys to combine with his career. Perhaps he goes in. Chris Carpenter was another one who lost 100%, two or three of his big 100%. prime years to injury. Absolutely. Chris Carpenter, healthy, probably a Hall of Famer. Man, yeah. Goldschmidt's career numbers are good what's he got well they absolutely are good i don't know if they're hall of fame numbers but again sometimes the optics on what's appreciated when the time comes to be up for a vote is different than when you're playing and lately and by lately i mean the last five seven years defense is getting way more acclaim than it was back when roland was playing and so that's what i'm saying by that and again and it's not personal and i guess most people probably believe me at this point but if Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, I think Jim Edmonds is a Hall of Famer. I realize yeah. there's a difference in the wars. Rowland's sitting there at 70, Edmonds is in the 60s, but offensively, Edmonds had better offensive numbers. They're both playing incredibly important defensive positions. They're both up in the, I would imagine most would say, like baseball historians, I would think, I wouldn't consider myself one, but Jim Edmonds is a top five defensive center fielder of all time, and Scott Rowland's a top five defensive third baseman of all time. Would you agree with that, Doug? Sure, yeah, yeah. Nurse. And they are paying more attention to it. Because there was a time when, you know, you go back to the Mike Schmidt eras, there wasn't anybody getting the Hall of Fame with less than 400 home runs and less than 1,300. Well, Ozzie and... Smith was, but but it was, that that was more of an outlier than anything. And also he was so overwhelmingly ridiculous yeah. defensively. By, by, statistically speaking, he's the best defensive player at any position of all time. Ozzie Smith? Of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I said, as far as third baseman, uh, you know, with those stats, you weren't getting in. I don't care how many gold gloves you have, eight gold gloves, but if you have a uh, batting average of 270, not 400 home runs, uh, not 1,500 RBIs, they weren't putting those guys in. And then when you start looking at it, well, he's, he's he had powered numbers, he had a nice average, and he won eight gold gloves, and you start looking at defense. But back in the day, they didn't look at it. You had to have, there were three categories, home runs, RBIs, average. That's all they looked at. 
Goldschmidt might have an argument. You know, oh, I think I, th- I, I think I think, think, right I, think I think Roland I think Roland and and Edmonds. I, 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 I think he I think he is I think he is live. I think mm-hmm. Arnado, if he stopped today, is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but I don't think Gold Goldschmidt is. But I think he's live. But Goldschmidt. so if you would, if you want to play that out, I would say that Goldschmidt would go in. That's not to me as sure as Arenado and the Cardinals. But that but Goldschmidt doesn't have the uh, disdain that. Arenado did, and Arenado's. I keep saying Arenado and Arenado. It's Arenado. Um, that Arenado did not like the front office in Colorado. He had no problem with his teammates or the fans. He didn't like the front office and felt like he was, you know, they told him when he signed that extension they were going to do one thing, and then they wound up having a bunch of slap asses around him. Every time they got a superstar, they'd say, well, time to get rid of this Uh guy. (laughs) Matt Holliday, get him out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the day! Adam Sandler tickets on the line. Here we go. Jackson, I was about to read one, and it got deleted. Are you deleting for time's sake? Yeah. Ours is the type of presentation when a busboy at a downtown eatery is free to call in at any time to wager on whether or not a member of the program will get banged on an upcoming work trip while also providing update details on his own sex life. That is until a dude posing as a mom from a local high school texted in to ask if he wrapped it up, at which point the busboy didn't want to go there. We did establish that hand play and mouth play do not count for the purposes of the work trip coitus wager, but Tim does win the bet if his coworker bottoms for a board operator from Cleveland. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was hoping the to top, but oh. If anything in this life is certain, if history has taught us anything, it's that Iggy will host a podcast for free as long as it gives him a platform to creep on attractive lasses. If KG in O-Town wants to resurrect Pepper and Genie, he needs to spend less time chasing sponsors and more time booking Aubrey Plaza. And if she's too busy, you can book literally any female adult actress for Iggy to ask at what age she lost her virginity oh. or book literally any washed-up former A-list actress for Iggy to tell her that he'd bang her right now if she'd let him. Hmm. Why is that creepy? That's from Buck Swope. Nice little email, Buck. Well, then I don't need any help. Buck people up. Swope. How am I supposed to listen to my favorite HD2 radio show argue about what qualifies the dusting, scroll the fan page, help my kids with their e-learning Zoom calls, do my actual job, and compose a clever email at the same time? It just can't be done. And what is this e-learning crap anyways? Whatever happened to true snow days? What's the point of having a whiteout if we're stuck inside daydreaming about being outdoors? My kids should be making snow angels in this dusting while I listen to an extremely handsome and smart man explain how advertising dollars are allocated to a confused old person. <laughs> Instead, my kids are whining about doing homework on the computer, just like Plowsy whining about wanting $250 per week for doing a hastily produced 15-minute podcast. So we're clear that math works out to $200 an hour for doing a podcast that mostly consists of painfully long introductions and a few disconnected thoughts about pubes coming from a marijuana-fueled twink so high that he literally forgets what he's saying in the middle of a sentence. With all that said, it is time to do the right thing and bring back Pepper and Genie because we all love Iggy and Plowsy. New sponsor, Dixie Donuts. Oh. Nice. New sponsor, Dixie Donuts. Uh, hey, guys, I am looking for some advice. I am the owner of Dixie Donuts, and I am in the red. Mm-hmm. Even though I have this company and have been in business for 30 years, I don't know how ad revenue works. And I am left with slinking around my Section 8 laundromat looking for soap to steal because I can't afford it. 
Also, if you are looking for people who do show recaps on shows they don't work on, be sure to check out the House of the Dragon recap on the Pepper and Genie podcast. That comes from Ken Earhart's killer guitar riff. Let me bring the show to a screeching halt looking for this Facebook post about Kent playing the guitar. Hold on, let me scroll over for a few minutes to find it. (laughs) Kent Earhart's killer guitar riff. And finally, I mean, how do you even put words to the groundbreaking announcements taking place this year in the TMA ecosystem? No, I'm not talking about that huge news that Iggy inconvenienced Brian Gross with an unsolicited DM begging for an award and then Brian pretended to humor his request because it was the easy way to halt communications. And no, I'm not talking about Tim yet again postponing a slap tear surgery that's been teased longer than an alleged golf video that was apparently saved to the same folder where Iggy keeps chapter one of the book he's not writing. Nope, the biggest announcement of 2023 came today when Iggy accidentally let slip the big surprise that was so secretive, so shocking that even Tim didn't know about it. The huge news is that, wait for it, a restaurant industry worker named Ashley that Iggy knew 30 years ago who might be employed somewhere in Jamaica may join the show talk it all over during their once-in-a-lifetime tropical paradise remote Mm -hmm. from the beautiful sandals, presumably leaving Lisa Ann, the guest who was invited and traveled tens of hours to accommodate the request to fetch Iggy some coffee or search for the riveting Jack Wagner interview that got lost amongst his vast catalog of banned Facebook posts and nightly hostage videos where he boils canned chicken in his kitchen slash attic area for three grits and their wives, whom he is currently dating. Oh. <laughs> mm, that Ser- seems hard. Seriously, I don't want to talk out of school here, but if you're able to land Ashley, the 62-year-old immigrant line cook, there's no telling the limits. Why not shoot for the stars and try to land the dart guy who mean mug buck swope at that smoky Hoosier den you guys used to broadcast from, or maybe the homeless smoking buddy who bathes out there in the fountain. Onward and upward, fellas. Thanks. That's from Jaguar, Jaguar, Jaguar. And Doug, that's way over the designer heating and cooling email today. Well, I like Bucksfolk's nice little email. Uh, uh, Ashley's fine. Killer Griffey guitar riffs was okay. But I'm going to go with the Jaguar, Jaguar. Uh... I'm going to go with Kent Earhart's guitar. Are you really? <laughs> I'm going with Jaguar. Oh, okay. The Kent Earhart one, I thought was <laughs> Congratulations okay. to Jaguar. You're going to uh, Adam Sandler on February 10th. He's got like eight tickets. Enterprise now, Center, yeah. Oh, we have to vote on second. What? We have to vote on second place. I'll just pick somebody. Doug, we'll vote for what the Plowhawk and Nagy went with. Uh, Plowhawk, who would you go Kent with? Kent Earhart. All right, he gets guitar Yeah, Plowhawk doesn't have his headphones on, so he can hear Okay, yeah, That's the well, reason. cool, right. thank you. Uh, Jackson and I are literally on the air right now on 101 ESPN, so I got to go. Oh. Uh, it was a wonderful show, and uh, Doug, I hope you can get home safely in this uh, these conditions. Uh, I, don't, I don't like my chances. Stop snowing already, so enjoy yourself. We should probably say our goodbyes. <laughs> Bye.